from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? It is the Thursday edition. Yes, you made it the Thursday. The Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're along today and uh, hope this finds you well, however you may be listening, whether it be on iTunes, the New Orleans Saints app, which is free and ready to go for your mobile device, or on the two team websites, NewOrleansSaints.com or Pelicans.com. We're getting close to the weekend, gang. We're almost there. We're on the downhill slide, as they say. And uh, we're anxiously uh, looking forward to Saints and Buccaneers on Sunday. And today's program is heavy on the football side. Pretty much all football today as we really ramp our, um, ramp our coverage up, not only on this program, the Black and Blue Report, but also on NewOrleansSaints.com and that new, uh, that new app that I've been telling you about. If you haven't checked it out yet, really, number one, it's free. Uh, number two, it's the great game day companion. And it has um, live real-time stats and a whole bunch of other different features. So, And we're going to get a Pelicans version of that, and I'm told, aha, I'm told, got a date yesterday, perhaps as early as October 1st. So that'll be outstanding. And uh, and we'll have all the features that the Saints app has as far as videos and and uh, written word, uh, the black and blue report, the, the stats, uh, rosters and schedules, and the whole nine yards. So that'll be good stuff. Good show today. Uh, Gene Deckerhoff, the voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is on. So is the voice of the Saints. Jim Henderson and Thomas Morstead, too. Morstead had a great, great opening weekend, not only punting the football, but all of his kickoffs went out the back of the end zone, and that sure does make for a nice, uh, clean kickoff coverage team. So uh, we'll look for him to do more of the same this weekend. We're going to ask him about his first weekend of the season, and the uh, All-Pro will also talk about kicking outdoors for the first time this season when the Saints go to Raymond James Stadium on Sunday afternoon. So those are the guests today. Again, Gene Deckerhoff, Jim Henderson, and Thomas Morstead. Yesterday was the uh, weekly uh, media address for quarterback Drew Brees. That went about 20 minutes, uh, and a lot was covered. I can't play all of it for you, but I do want to share one piece of audio with you today uh, because it's going to be, I think, a recurring theme that you're going to see over the next couple of days, and that's the Tampa Bay defensive secondary. Everybody knows about Darrell Rivas now being with the Buccaneers. He's healthy. He looks great. But they also now have uh, Deshaun Goldson, who is a former 49er standout. Uh, those two corners are outstanding. That secondary is really top-notch. And it'll be a true challenge for Drew Brees and his receivers on Sunday. So with that, Brees yesterday gave us gave us a kind of a – uh, a peek inside his dome there as to how he prepares for these types of games against stout secondaries. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, obviously, w- within a game plan, you have certain matchups that you're trying to exploit. You have, um, you know, certain coverages or certain looks and you know that you're trying to, trying to get and, and, and that kind of thing. But uh, I would say there are times where, hey, maybe there's a corner and you just know, hey, he defends this certain route or this certain concept or this play very very well and so all things equal let's go away from him and you know and so 
uh, you definitely say there's a Revis rule <laughs> you know, as it pertains to some of those things, you know, where, hey, you're just, you just want to avoid those to give him those opportunities as much as you can. But um, then again, listen, we're going to execute our offense and there's going to be times where we're, we're going to his side or, or going at him. And, you know, that, that is what it is, but we're not going to be careless about it and we're going to be smart about it. So a little piece of what Drew Brees talked about. Uh, yesterday in his weekly visit with the media. The Saints are back on the practice field today. Uh, they go from late morning into the early afternoon. Uh, then they have an open locker room for the media and then meetings as they continue to install and usually a good third down day uh, for the Saints on Thursdays. I think that will probably stick to the regular script with regard to their preparations or at least the schedule that Sean Payton wants to go about for this week. You'll get all that coverage uh, later today on NewOrleansSaints.com and also you'll get the uh, – the Thursday injury report, which has been going up first, first on NewOrleansSaints.com these first two weeks of the season, and that's probably how it's going to go the rest of the way. Really, uh, and I know I'm kind of pumping our own deal here, but um, when it comes to the injury news, the breaking news, and uh, and content like exclusive interviews and whatnot, really with all the um, the new resources they've put into the digital side here on the campus at Airline, you're going to want to go to NewOrleansSaints.com first, and I would imagine that's the way it's going to be for Pelicans.com starting with a training camp in October. Keep that in mind. Uh, one story that I did want to share with you, and I know uh, we're going to get to Gene Deckerhoff here in just a moment, but one story that I did pull for you this morning comes out of Seattle, Renton, Washington, to be exact, where their stadium is. Seattle, like the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, is one of the hardest places to play in the NFL, namely because of the noise. Um but the uh, 49ers are playing at Seattle this weekend, and uh, they're going to try something out. They're going to put undercover cops in 49ers gear in the middle of that Seattle crowd to try and uh, ensure a safe environment for all fans. That's the wording from the Seahawks uh, today. The Seahawks game day staff will intervene against unruly behavior, foul or abusive language, and verbal or physical harassment of opposing team fans or stadium guests and staff members. And they're going to try and catch this, or as Barney would say, nip it, nip it in the bud uh, with this on Sunday. And if they do, they'll send those, those naughty fans out of the building and into a four-hour online educational course at the fans' cost before they'll be admitted again to events at the stadium. Hmm. We'll see how this goes. I think it's very, very interesting, especially for us, because the Saints will play at Seattle this season. I'm going to bring this up with Jim Henderson when he comes on later in the show. He's been to all the venues, so I'll be uh, curious to get his take on this deal. A real quick little preview of tomorrow. Lance Moore on the program tomorrow and Ira Kaufman of the Tampa Tribune. Uh, you're going to want to catch that interview on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Kaufman not only has some interesting things to say about Sunday's game, but he's the guy that uh, broke and wrote the uh, story in the Tampa Tribune that everybody's talking about right now with regard to Buccaneers quarterback Josh Freeman. Apparently, according to Ira Kaufman, um, Freeman was late and then not included in the annual team photo which was taken just days before the team voted on their captains. And then, as a result of the votes, or we think, Freeman is no longer a captain of the Buccaneers. And so Kaufman is reporting that this is all a part of a greater problem with their quarterback and perhaps the relationship between quarterback and head coach. So he will talk about that 
piece that he wrote on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Those are just a couple of the uh, guests that we'll have for you on the Friday edition. Nonetheless, today is Thursday, and we want to get started. We've got a lot to cover with Gene Deckerhoff and Jim Henderson, and we'll start that process right after these messages. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features, plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning black and gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Say that to say this. The new album from Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty is back with 11 explosive tracks on his highly anticipated new release. Say that to say this. This album delivers funk, R&B, rock, and soul that's sure to blow you away. Trombone Shorty delivers an incredible remake of the Meters classic, Be My Lady, with all music played by the original Funky Meters. What's up, New Orleans? This is Trombone Shorty. Check out my new record, Say That to Say This, produced by Raphael Sadiq and me in stores now. Thanks to the internet, anyone can get a show these days. Welcome back to today's show. We uh, we love Thursdays. We get the we get the guys that are going to call the game on Sunday as the uh, Saints and Buccaneers get set to tee it up for the first time this year. And we'll start today with the voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's the longtime voice, Gene Deckerhoff, who might be uh, who might be one of the busiest guys I know in the fall. Gene also is the voice of the Florida State Seminoles. Gene, how are you still pulling that schedule off on Saturdays and Sundays? Well, <laughs> Sunday. Sunday uh, uh, is, is uh, our first home game, and uh, I begin my 25th year of doing double duty. This is my silver anniversary with the with the Buccaneers, and and uh, golly, time flies when you're having fun. I guess uh, the, the schedule's long. You know, I can I can appreciate what the guys go through because uh, you know they work harder than than broadcasters do. Obviously, with practice every day and having to go out there and slam their bodies around, but I, the wear and tear on an announcer is, is tough enough, let alone on these guys that play this uh, great game of professional football. You know, Gene, I see all these commercials for five-hour energy and this energy and that supplement and everything else. I always say to myself, whatever Gene Deckerhoff is taking, I'll take that. <laughs> 25 years I drink of a lot of coffee going. and yeah. uh, some cold drinks, you know, but uh, just, just keep going, you know, and uh, uh, 25 years of this, 35 years of Florida State football, so and 39 years coming up of uh, Florida State basketball. But uh, you know, heck, I, I was I, I was in just in Pittsburgh Labor Day weekend and uh, had a chance to visit with Bill Hillgrove. Bill started started his 40th year of broadcasting uh, Pitt Panther football and his 44th year of broadcasting Pitt basketball, and he started doing the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1994. So uh, take five away. He's in his 20th year of doing double duty on Saturdays and Sundays. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still young compared to that. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. I, I first met you and I last talked to you. It was a number of years ago. I was at Tulane University. But, you know, you were telling me a story even back then 
that uh, a lot of this going back and forth in the fall, uh, you were able to do it with your wife, and you were using an RV. Are you still using that process? Yeah, we do. It's uh, I live in Tallahassee, and it's four and a half hours to Raymond James Stadium. And, and we drive down on Sunday morning, and uh, since uh, my wife retired, we, we stay overnight Sunday night in, in, in Tampa. We used to have to drive back, and uh, that's, that's nine hours on the road to go to a home game. So there's no such thing as a home game in the NFL for, uh, for Gene. And uh, my wife still, bless her heart, still drives uh, uh, halfway. And uh, sometimes when I uh, get back from a late-night uh, Florida State trip on Saturday, I, I sleep that first half of the trip and uh, then start driving around Crystal River about the last hour and a half. So, yeah, uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah it's, it's teamwork, teamwork, you know. Football is the ultimate team sport, but I think marriage, uh, marriage trumps that. I, I think I think that you're absolutely right, and a strong one at that. Twenty five years of, of that process. Let's talk about the game on Sunday a little bit, Gene. You know, this is a is this is a series between the Buccaneers and the Saints. That while the Saints have won five the last eight and three straight, it seems that these games are always very close, especially the ones played over there in Florida. Well, you know, you take take for example last year. Last year, maybe an anomaly. We came to New Orleans, and I don't. We just laid a big, a big old egg, in the Mercedes Benz Dome. I I still can't put a finger on that. Josh had a had a horrible game. Uh, we turned the ball over way too many times. Uh, shot ourselves in the foot with penalty after penalty after penalty. Could not stop uh, Drew Brees, particularly in the red zone. It was just. Uh, it was a, it, basically it was the worst game the Buccaneers played all last year. That I just on quick recall, it was absolutely the worst game the Bucks played last year. And I can't I can't explain it because generally, Tampa Bay has played well in, in the Superdome. I look back to the you know the Super Bowl year of the Saints. We we come in there and uh, we win in overtime. You know, and it, 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 we, we we notched our tenth win that year at the expense of New Orleans and. I think that's the last time we we beat New Orleans, but the, no, not the last time. But uh, well, the last time we beat them in overtime. Let me put it that way. Uh, but the last uh, last year, uh, the home game. You know, look at the tackle by Malcolm Jenkins. If he doesn't run, if he doesn't run down Vincent Jackson at the one yard line, and then we fail on four straight tries to punch it in, we probably win that football game. But it's a game of inches, a game of feet, a game of yards. And uh, we just didn't get the job done last year. We would have split with New Orleans and would have finished in second place in the NFC South. As it was, it was a three-way tie for second place. And uh, due to tiebreakers and everything, we finished fourth in the NFC South. But it's always a good rivalry game. And, uh, you know, early in the season, playing at Draymond James Stadium, uh, Tampa Bay may uh, shock a few folks. We played horrible last week against the New York Jets. And uh, we we, should have won, could have won, didn't win. And uh, just take that as, as just one game and a 16-game schedule, and hopefully the team has forgotten about that. I'm sure that Greg Schiano, the head coach, and his staff are not going to let this team let uh, the New York Jets beat us twice. You've done this a long time, though, Gene, and you bring up the loss to the Jets this past weekend. Do you fear in any way that there would be a hangover from a loss like that? Well, you can't. You know, maybe in college, uh, I don't see how you can have a hangover of the National Football League just because you lose, because these guys are professionals. They're, uh, most of them are veterans. We have a, uh, a few rookies. Uh, in fact, the, I think the entire draft class made the roster. But, uh, so we do have some rookies, but veteran professional football players, they know. And Greg Schiano refers to it as a, as a, it's a one-game season, a one-game season. So we lost last season. Now we begin a new season against the New Orleans Saints. And I like that particular philosophy and how you departmentalize or compartmentalize, whichever word you want to want to use, uh, the 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 16 game grind of the National Football League. 
So if you're not if you're not man up and and, and professional enough to forget about last week and get ready for this season uh, coming up on uh, on Sunday uh, September the fifteenth, then uh, you probably need to find another job. But uh, no, I don't think there'll be a hangover. I think the Buccaneers will be ready to play. It's our first home game. I think we're going to have a really good crowd. And uh, hey, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Let's play football. I, I think I think the Bucks will be thinking only New Orleans and have forgotten the New York Jets. Greg Schiano in his second season now, Gene, and, and, and you look at his relationship with your quarterback, Josh Freeman. I, I don't know really what to what to believe what I'm reading. I, I read I read that Josh is, you know, okay, ready to go, and I also read that there's tension between the two. Is there is there any uh, validity on either side of the of the coin right now? Well, I can't I not to honest to be honest with you, I can't answer that question. Uh, number one, I, I'm not in that locker room. Number two, I'm not, not privy to coaching uh, player interviews and uh, discussions uh, uh, in, in the coach's office or in the locker room. So I, I can't answer that question. Obviously, you know, in this digital age, you know, I, I read all the tweets. I, I read all the blogs. I see all the stuff that's going around. College football, you know, this, this alleged scandal in Oklahoma State. Uh, now all of a sudden somebody's saying that Alabama's doing something like this or something like that or Tennessee. I mean, I mean the, this stuff is in the 24th. Seven digital age, these stories tend to have a life of their own. Uh, there's a story, I guess, the Tampa Tribune broke yesterday that uh, uh, Josh Freeman missed the annual team photo. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the photo. I don't know if he's there or not. But uh, apparently that's the way the story is. And now all the, the entire blogosphere takes this over, and they're trying to say that there's a, there's a wedge between the quarterback and the head coach. If there is, good golly, uh, that, 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 you, you can't have that in, in any college football, uh, college football or pro football locker room. I just don't see it from the peripheral view that I have, getting on a team plane, flying with a team back from New York, uh, seeing Josh, seeing Greg Chiano. I, I don't see that. If there's anything there, they certainly are keeping it very quiet, and I don't know the sources of these kind of stories. Since Greg Chiano has been the head coach, there have been people taking shots at him about not having control of the locker room. I don't understand why media have to hammer on that sort of stuff. I think Greg Chiano is doing a heck of a job. He certainly has regenerated a new culture in that locker room at one Buccaneer place. Now we just have to win football games, and maybe that will get the sniping and the snipers off of uh, everybody's back. Yeah, it's so early in the season, Gene. You're so right. Yeah, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're the New, New, New England Patriots, New Orleans Saints, nobody's taking shots at you because you win all the time. <laughs> but if you're, if you're struggling, you've got a new coach, you've, you come off a, a season where you lost your last nine games, you fire the head coach, that's Raheem Morris, you bring in a coach that is making his debut in the NFL – I mean, uh, these blog these bloggers, uh, they, 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 that's like putting a big old target up there with a big red circle in the middle of it. Gene Deckerhoff, voice of the Bucks, is our guest. Gene, before I let you go, Drew Brees and uh, the Saints offense yesterday was was singing the praises of the upgrade that the Buccaneers made in their defensive secondary. Of course, Darrell Revis, but then uh, Golson as well. Is it is that the strength of this football team right now? That defensive secondary. Well, you know, one thing I noticed in preparing for the Bucks saints game this weekend is both teams have upgraded their defense. New Orleans has a new scheme, a new defensive coordinator, and good grief, we got to face another Ryan this week. <laughs> Last week, Brother Rex really did a job on us. Uh, con- uh, totally confused, and I don't know what he did, but in first games, sometimes you can uh, throw a few surprises, and uh, hey, they were successful. The Jets beat the Bucks by one. We were favored on the road. We've never beaten the Jets in New York City, so hey, history repeats itself. But uh, the, the the Buccaneers have upgraded defensively too. You know, last year we, were, I mean, we couldn't stop anybody. Uh, last year we were 31st in the in the National Football League in in, 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 in defense against 
or in sacks. We were 29th in defense, total defense, so we could not stop anybody throwing the football. We allowed 310-plus yards last of the league. And uh, all of a sudden, you go to New York. Now, you know, there, there are lies, uh, damn lies, and then there are statistics. Okay, Sean, you know that. Uh, but but statistically, our, our defense is much improved. But maybe put an asterisk on there. They, they had a rookie quarterback, okay, that really wasn't going to throw the ball very much, although he did throw a touchdown pass to former Buccaneer Keller Winslow in, in that game. But, uh, yeah, statistically, the Buccaneers are much improved after week one than we were all of last season. And, and the reason why Darrell Rivas is, is in that backfield and Deshaun Golson, two free agents, one, well, one a trade uh, for uh, Darrell, and then the, the, the free agent acquisition during the offseason of Deshaun Golson, uh, the, the secondary is much much better, much more improved. We got some young guys. That Jonathan Banks kid's pretty good playing corner. He'll see. He'll rotate uh, in with uh, uh, Leonard Johnson, who got the start last week, and Leonard, a, a college free agent, who grew up in the, the Bay Area. But uh, our, our secondary was not very good, very porous last year. It's much better, much improved this year. And a real litmus test will be how will the Bucks fare statistically. Uh, in the win column and in the defense columns uh, on the stat page after taking on probably the best quarterback in the NFC, and I'm talking about Drew Brees. What's he got, about uh, 35, 350-yard games? Uh, he always torches the Buccaneers. And uh, last year it was uh, his prowess throwing the football almost single-handedly and that touch that touchdown saving tackle by Michael, Michael Jenkins that, 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 uh, that, that beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, yeah, it'll be a big test. Let's see how we stand statistically after the second game against a tremendous quarterback like Drew Brees. We will look for that. Gene Deckerhoff, you, sir, are an NFL broadcasting treasure. We thank you for your time this week. We'll hope that we'll get to visit with you again. And certainly, Gene, safe travels to you and your wife this weekend. All righty. Gene Deckerhoff, everybody, on the Black and Blue Report. We'll be back with more, including our visit with the Voice of the Saints. Jim Henderson, when we continue. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, being the official chicken of the New Orleans Saints. We're more than just fans of the Saints. We're fans of Saints fans. So on game day, we make sure they're reloaded with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. The best chicken fingers around? We got this. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes, here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. What makes Auctioner Primary Care such a great choice? Is it because we have 38 health centers throughout the region, some with evening and weekend hours available? Or because we accept close to 50 different insurance plans? Could it be because we offer My Auctioner? which gives you and your family secure online access to your health records, test results, prescription renewals, even emails with your doctor, or that you'll be connected to seven hospitals with 2,500 affiliated physicians who can handle everything from the common to the complex, so you'll never have to wonder if you made the right choice. Actually, what you may like the most is, yes, we have a location near you, expertise and convenience great reasons to choose an auctioner primary care physician to find one near you visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER that's o-c-h-s-n-e-r auctioner 
Healthcare with peace of mind. Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. <gasps> this is the Black and Blue Report. Well, we get uh, we get the voice of the Saints on with us this Thursday, Jim Henderson. This has almost become a regular thing. I think another week or two and we can call it that. But uh, Gene Deckerhoff was first and we saved the best for last, as they say. Jim Henderson is with us. Happy Thursday, Jim. How's the game prep going? It's going very well, Sean. Looking forward to this week. It's always a nice trip to Tampa. Hey, Jim, before we get started with uh, with your visit to Tampa this weekend and, and it being warm and, and humid and everything else outside on a Sunday afternoon in September, I did want to ask you about the story that I pulled from Seattle this morning. Um, it apparently, the Seahawks and their game personnel are going to put security and undercover police in 49ers apparels. The uh, Niners are in Seattle this weekend. They're going to put them in uh, opponent's apparel and then try and uh, – curb unruly fan behavior and toss the naughty boys and girls out of the stadium there in Seattle for um, what they're going to deem as abusive or foul behavior. They're going to send these uh, bad boys and girls into an online educational course at their own cost before they're cleared to attend events at the stadium in Seattle again. Uh, Jim, I know you've been there and I know it's loud there, but I didn't know they had such a problem with unruly fans. No, I didn't either. You know what, Sean? It might be uh, in retaliation for how fans get treated in San Francisco. I know this is something that uh, they've been thinking of doing and have been doing, I believe, in San Francisco. You know, a couple of years ago, they had a preseason game there with the Raiders in which people were stabbed and beaten up and um, assorted uh, miscreants there were causing mayhem. So I think that's something that's been tried in San Francisco where uh, people will dress up undercover in the the garb of the visiting team to try to curb that sort of unruly behavior. You know, in Seattle, you're right about it being loud. I've never been in a venue that's louder than that. We aren't in the stands, so I don't know about their behavior, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's just to provoke to some degree just by the fact that it's San Francisco providing the opposition and how fans get treated in San Francisco a lot of the time. Yeah, I know. I know Saints fans have had problems in San Francisco, too. Is San Francisco the worst are there are there notorious ballparks for that are tough to go if you're an opponent's fan? I think uh, San Francisco, from what I understand, is probably one of the worst. I can only uh, relay that having talked to Saints fans who have been in the crowd. I know Saints fans sometimes are deterred from ever going there because they, they feel so much in danger, they feel so threatened. Uh, Chicago's another place, as most recently as the NFC Championship game when the Saints were there, and fans were treated badly. So... I would say, again, just judging from what I hear from Saints fans, San Francisco and Chicago are probably about the worst. So it's off to Tampa Bay this weekend where they're expecting perhaps a sellout. Um, They've had 19 of their last 23 games blacked out, um, but they're expecting a sellout which will lift the blackout this weekend. Tell me, uh, Jim, because you've been there so many times, tell me about games at Raymond James Stadium in September. Hot, humid, um, really debilitating in that way. Lots of times a lot of fans aren't there because Tampa Bay usually uh, in recent years hasn't had the best of teams. And also I think the weather works against the fans there in a lot of ways early in the season. It's so uncomfortable to be there. I know a lot of Saints fans will be there. That seems to be the trip that most Saints fans are taking now because there are so many tickets available. It's a direct flight. I know when we tried to book our flights uh, this year with the Saints broadcast team, we can't get out that night on a direct flight. We're waiting until Monday to come home because the Saints uh, fans are going to be there in so many great numbers. So you'll see a big presence of Saints fans and any of them listening and 
who are going to make the trip, I would advise them to uh, to hydrate in the right way and to uh, start with SPF 50 and work your way upwards. <laughs> good, good advice. Jim, in two meetings with the Buccaneers last year, we had a really, really tight ball game and then the absolute blowout at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. When you, when you are getting ready for this weekend's meeting between the Saints and the Buccaneers, is, the, is it going to mirror one of those two meetings last year or is it a different look? Well, I think it's a different look because of one thing, and that's Sean Payton back, being back on the sideline. Obviously, he missed both games last year. And you look at the records of Sean against the, the Bucks, and he's actually had a harder time with the Bucks than he has with the Falcons. The, the Saints under Sean Payton are 6-6 six and six against the Bucks, and uh, while they've won three in a row in the series, two of those came last year when the Saints had interim head coaches on the sideline. So I think that'll be the biggest difference. Uh, in getting ready or getting ready for this game, you look at what has transpired in these two teams um, in the off season. As far as the Bucks are concerned, they're trying to beef up the worst passing defense in the NFL a year ago, and they think they've done that with the addition of Darrell Rivas and Deshaun Golson. But one thing that I think Buck fans will be watching, and that's the play of their quarterback Josh Freeman, uh, who uh, threw for over 400 yards against the Saints down in Tampa last year, and then he came up here and threw four interceptions. He was part of that late-season slide in which uh, the Bucks, I think, lost five of their last six a year ago and finished 7-9 and nine after having such a good middle part of the season. So uh, those are all things to keep your eye on. The Bucks appear to have improved themselves defensively. They had a better pass rush last week, although it was against the Jets, and that's something that they were deficient in, too. Um, but you look at them offensively, and Doug Martin got every single carry last week for a Tampa Bay running back and averaged 2.7 yards per carry, and Freeman, who threw for less than 50%, and he threw only threw for 55% last year in the entire season, targeted Vincent Jackson 13 times for seven receptions, and Mike Williams had four as the second-leading receiver. Uh, not another wide receiver on the team caught passes besides the two of them, and you look at their tight ends, and I can I count one reception by a tight end, and that was their third stringer, a fourth-year man out of Pitt named Nate Byam, for a single yard. So uh, it's an offensive attack that I think has only scored seven touchdowns in five games this year, including the four preseason games. So be interesting to see how the Buccaneers treat this offense if they get off to a slow start. Boy, Jim, you're not kidding. It sounds like if Drew Brees finds a way against a pretty good defensive secondary, uh, this could get out of hand kind of quick. As far as well, you'd like to, yeah. you'd like to think so, and, and Drew has just been deadly against the Bucks uh, last year in the two games. He had eight touchdown passes, 684 yards, completed 70 percent of his passes, and only sacked a single time. So uh, uh, Drew has really had the Bucks number recently, and they've had a very hard time getting to him. Everybody does, uh, but if they don't put some pressure on him this week, it's going to be a long day, I would think, for the Buccaneers. The value in a 2-0 start for the Saints against two division opponents, can that be overstated or understated, or is it just just a sweet start to the year altogether? I think it'd be huge. Um, I'm using, in the opening to the broadcast, the correlation between just winning your opener and going to the playoffs. Uh, I think if you if you win your opener – um, about 58% of the time you go to the playoffs. This is since 1978. If you lose your opener, only 24% of the time do you go to the playoffs. It'd be huge for the Saints to start 2-0. and It would be uh, pretty poor for the Buccaneers to start 0-2 based on the way they finished last season and some of the disarray that surrounds that franchise. But one of the remarks I'll make in the open is that you read stuff out of Tampa Bay and everybody's ready to uh, jump ship, as it were, in Raymond James Stadium. 
because they look at an 0-2 start with the prospect of going on the road to take on New England uh, next week, and they're saying, oh, no, we're going to start 0-3, and we just lost to the Jets, the, the easiest team on our schedule. Meanwhile, the Saints fans will be trying to put a damper on their enthusiasm, or at least Sean Payton will be trying to, should they start 2-0 and with the prospect of coming home for the next two weeks against Arizona and Miami. So kind of a pivotal game, I think, for both teams this Sunday. Good stuff as always, Jim Henderson. I really appreciate it. Have a great call and um, and stay out of the sun this Sunday, will you? <laughs> I'll do so. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thank you, Jim. Take care. That's Jim Henderson, the voice of the New Orleans Saints, with us this week again on the Black and Blue Report. The offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans has been exciting with all-star Drew Holiday and former Rookie of the Year Tyreek Evans being added to a lineup headlined by Anthony Davis and Ryan Anderson. Now, with the release of half-season and 12-game plans at varying price levels, there truly is a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $13 per game and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new Black and Gold Saints Scratch-Off from the Lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning Black and Gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your Black and Gold Saints Scratch-Off from the Lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Punt, pass, kick, and dunk. Plow to the rim, alley-oop dunk, Anthony Davis. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. It is Tampa week, and we continue to get ready, just like the Saints do, for uh, this weekend's action. Uh, you know, last weekend against Atlanta, it sure was easy to uh, watch and evaluate kickoff coverage because the guy standing next to me kept bruising the wall behind the end zone with his kickoffs. <laughs> Thomas Morstead with us. Congratulations. It seemed like you had a nice debut last week. Did you feel good about what you were able to do? Yeah, it was a good first game. Um, you know, there's little things I'd like to have done better, but um, results-wise, it was a pretty good game. The, the punting itself, I thought, and you had several chances to, to do what you wanted to do there. Were you, were you pleased with at least being able to keep that ball inside the 20, or were you looking for a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, the the one short punt we had, we I think we downed it at the 8. Mm -hmm. So we're, our goal is always if we can get it inside the 10, that's awesome. Um, the other two punts were field punts, so I just let them rip and uh, 
put them in the corner so the guys could have a good chance to cover, and we did a good job. You know, I talked to uh, to Lance earlier and a couple of the other veterans when they when they talk about week one and just just almost the routine of the week, the week, the rhythm of the week. Even even after a number of years in the league, they still have to make that adjustment. And they were commenting on how much easier and more comfortable week two is, just from week one to week two as far as your routine goes. Is that does that seem to agree with you as well? Yes. Um, you know, I don't know what all entails those other positions, yeah. but um, as far as kicking goes, um, I'm so ready to be done with training camp and get into my weekly routine. Uh, you can set your watch on Mondays to where I'm going to be at certain points, whether it's the weight room or the ice tub or different things like that. Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, every day is, uh, has its own routine, so... Um, kind of got that set in stone pretty good and um, just glad to be back on that routine. So much of my background is in baseball, so I'm very familiar with pitchers and pitch counts and throwing side sessions and bullpens and all that. Do kickers have a somewhat similar count or uh, rotation to their work? Well, two things on that. Number one, I never played baseball, okay. so I don't know how to compare it to that. Yeah, fair. But uh, number two, I, w- I would say um, because I kick off and punt, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. So I'm not concerned with how much volume I get day to day, like whether I kick 10 kicks or if I kick 60 kicks. Um, I'm more concerned with how many days off I have between whenever I last practice and when the game is. Uh, the more time I have off to recover, the better I feel on Sundays. So I kind of, I guess, treat myself more like a starting pitcher rather than a, rather than a relieving pitcher. Uh, That's fair. Not bad for a guy who never played baseball. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, the difference between kicking here at home inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and what you'll face starting this week on the road outside, uh, is, it as, is it as obvious as it seems, or is, it, is there more to it? Uh, it's just different. Um, it's different kicking in Tampa than it is kicking in Chicago. You know, So every outdoor stadium has a different – sometimes it's windy, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. Uh, typically we've done really well in Tampa – uh, even better than what we would do in, indoors because it's nice and warm, so the ball travels a little further. So I, I look forward to that. It's interesting. I, I know these must seem silly to you, but I, I'm curious. You know, you were talking about that situation there. Weather and, and atmosphere, does it have more effect on the kicker or the ball that's being kicked? Well, I would say it would have more to do with positionally kicker and punter is different. So I have to handle the ball punting. So. Uh, that makes a difference. Um, so I, I would rather play, even if it's outdoors, I'd rather play at an artificial turf stadium, uh, whereas Garrett mm-hmm. uh, would be a little bit different, you know, for kicking field goals. So I don't know. There's a whole bunch of different ins and outs to it. All right, last silly question from me. <laughs> when you're playing outside, um, you routinely indoors can kick it out the back of the end zone. Has you, have you found that there's a wind speed or a volume of wind coming at you that would – that seems to be your nemesis that prevents you from accomplishing that goal? Uh, I don't know what particular number that would be, yeah. um, but I'm still trying to kick it as high or as far as I can. So regardless of what, what that wind is, it doesn't really f- change what I'm trying to do. So I still am hitting the same ball every time, and whatever happens once it leaves my foot is out of my control. So.
Congratulations on a nice start this past weekend. We wish you all the best this Sunday. Thank you. Yep. Thomas Morstead with us on the uh, Black and Blue Report, and we'll be right back after these messages. Say that to say this. The new album from Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty is back with 11 explosive tracks on his highly anticipated new release. Say that to say this. This album delivers funk, R&B, rock, and soul that's sure to blow you away. Trombone Shorty delivers an incredible remake of the Meters classic, Be My Lady, with all music played by the original Funky Meters. What's up, New Orleans? This is Trombone Shorty. Check out my new record, Say That to Say This, produced by Raphael Sadiq and me in stores now. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win, but here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well-fed, too. With tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. Raising Cane's chicken fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. What do you say to someone whose heart is on the line? That at Auctioner, an entire team of experts will collaborate to develop the best treatment for you? that we have procedures so revolutionary they aren't available anywhere else in the region, including breakthrough ways to more effectively manage heart failure and repair heart valves. That U.S. News & World Report ranks Auctioner Medical Center's heart program among the nation's very best. Or that with over 170 heart experts and seven hospitals to choose from, the exceptional cardiac care you need is always close to home. Actually, the most important thing to say is... Your results are back. Everything looks great. Better outcomes. Just one more reason to choose Auctioner. To find a heart specialist near you, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Get geared up for the big game and wear what the team wears. Visit the Saints Team Store at Gate B on the plaza level of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Tomorrow, uh, as Fred reminded me, is Friday the 13th. Never fear, though. We've got a great show for you tomorrow. As we mentioned earlier in this broadcast, Lance Moore on the program tomorrow. Uh, Kevin Burkhardt of the NFL on Fox. And Ira Kaufman from the Tampa Tribune. That's just a little bit of tomorrow's show. So that stacks up fairly nice. And we'll be anxious to get you that Friday program before we launch ourselves into another Saints weekend, one on the road as the Saints take on the Buccaneers. Don't forget that kickoff is just after 3 central time on Sunday. Our thanks today to Gene Deckerhoff, Jim Henderson, Thomas Morstead, and Drew Brees for being a part of this Black and Blue Report, and we appreciate your uh, listenership today as well. Spread the word, won't you? You can uh, tell your friends to get No Appointment Radio on iTunes, uh, on the two team websites, NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com, or through the New Orleans Saints app, which is also free of charge for your mobile device. Fred Ruckert, uh, another nice job today. We thank him. Follow on Twitter, if you don't mind, at Sean Kelly Live, S E A N K E L L E Y, live, or at Black Blue Reports. The email address is radio at Pelicans.com, where we are anxious to hear your comments and take your questions. So until tomorrow, noon central, for the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report.
If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 1 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.